Okay, without further ado, uh, let's get you over to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, a very familiar passage. Uh, I found something in here that I had set aside quite a while ago that I thought on short notice might be able to pull something together. So I don't have it 100% fine-tuned, but with the Lord's help here, I'd like to give you something on the topic of wisdom and discernment. Wisdom and discernment. 1 Kings chapter 3. Let's go ahead and pick this thing up in verse number 5. Try to make this thing short and sweet here today. 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 5. The Bible says this. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy. According as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness. That thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or to come in. And thy servant is in the midst of the people, thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord. Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor. So that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And for thou wilt walk in all my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk. Then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke and behold it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings. And made a feast to all his servants. Brother Reed, it's been a privilege getting to know you these past couple days, brother. Appreciate you just being a good, a good guy, easy to get along with. And you mind blessing the services this afternoon for us and praying. Amen. Thank you. Talking about the subject of wisdom in the sermon, I want to show you what I think to have found three different types of hearts we find in this passage. And I think Solomon had all three of them. I want to show you briefly here the humble heart, the heady heart, and the healthy heart. Each one of us is capable of possessing all three of these hearts. Some of them I think we can have going on inside of us at the same time, just like Solomon did. And I want to ask you as we get into this thing, my question to you is which one of those hearts are you feeding? Which one of those hearts are you feeding? But more importantly, do you know why you're feeding it? The Bible says in Hosea chapter 6 and verse 4, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because I was rejected knowledge, I will also 
reject thee. If you back up just a couple pages to Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4, the Bible says, Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. And so what's going on here? Is, it, is there a lack of knowledge in the earth? I mean, doctrinally, we know where these verses stand. Hosea, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We know the nation of Israel is an apostasy, and they're destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hosea is trying to get a point across to the nation of Israel that they need to get right with God, or you will be destroyed. And sure, sure enough, they went into captivity, did they not? Because they rejected that knowledge. And Daniel, we know, talks about end-time prophecies in the last days, and we know where that's also placed out there in the tribulation here shortly to come, saying, Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. But practically, I think we can find ourselves in these verses today, and I think you'd agree with me. Not only is knowledge at an all-time high, but the rejection thereof is even higher. Knowledge can be found anywhere. Knowledge can be held in your pocket. It can be seen from the TV. Uh, you can find it in the library. We find our knowledge in the words of God, and what they were rejecting was the law of God. The nation of Israel. And what they, uh, what they reject now is the Messiah. The one true Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, what I see in my line of work is, is kind of interesting. Is patients that are chronically rejecting the good things that they need. And uh, some of you may call, call the things that uh, people need to put in their bodies poison, or, or, or maybe you should resort to a medicinal uh, uh, supplement type things to take care of your body. But, uh, you know, I, I work in a line of work, and if there's any healthcare professionals that come here, I know there are, you understand that people, for some reason, when it comes to their health, they just won't listen. And what we see is a, a, a chronic... Uh, a chronic revolving door that brings a patient in and out. Into the hospital and out. In and out, in and out, in and out. And you know, after a time, it becomes very discouraging in the line of work that I'm in because we call, we call these folks the regulars. We call them the frequent flyers is what we call them. You say, how long has it been since you've taken your pills? I see your legs are the size of balloons. What's going on? Ah, oh, well, I haven't had my script in three months. Well, why is that? Well, I haven't had a ride to the hospital. Go get uh, my, uh, you know, my primary care to write me my new slip. So they call the ambulance to give them a ride to the hospital. And here I am. And there's three cars sitting in the driveway. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's just some of the difficulties I deal with. But they've got a knowledge to do right. And they know what they need to be doing, but there's, a, there's the, the lack of the application, Right? They're not applying the knowledge that they know they need to do. I mean, you need to listen to the doctor's orders, right? Hasn't the doctor helped you, Brother Paul? You need to listen to the doctor's orders. You need to take what they tell you to take and do what they tell you to do. Y'all can complete the saying for me. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Is that not right? I'm telling you, as plainly as Hosea did this morning, we need to open up our eyes, Christians, because the world's got all the knowledge they want. They've rejected the words of God. Lord might use you to reach a few, but the world has got all the knowledge that they want. And they'll play with it all day long. And more times than not, all they need is that stupid fart smart fart smoke. <laughs> yeah, amen. It's full of hot air, man. <laughs> They need that, that stupid smartphone in their pocket, and they're just happy as can be. That's all they want. That's all they need. And that's all they're ever going to want or need in their life. 
That's a good one. Yeah, amen. I'm telling us as Christians, though, we need to open up our eyes. We of all people know what this heart is capable of. We do. And we've got knowledge. And what we do with what we hear from the word of God is going to have a direct effect on how you spend the rest of your life in eternity. What I'm trying to tell you to do is we need to take this church thing seriously. We need to take the words of God very seriously. I mean, just as serious as that heart attack, just as serious as those swollen legs, just as serious as a toothache. We need to take this thing serious. You got the knowledge. You've got what you need. And you know what, what, what seems, this thing, this thing weighs a, a thousand pounds to a lost man. You're like, man, if you would just pick up that book and start reading. It's all you need. What more do we need, Christians? I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for the music. I'm thankful for the fellowship. But man, if this is all we had, this book, the pure words of God will get you through this life. That's all you need. I take for granted that we're all probably saved in here. And I just got done telling you about the things that you do with the words of God are going to affect the rest of your life for an eternity. Because we understand that there's something coming for the Christian called the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. And now what you do in this life is going to have a direct effect on your rewards in heaven or lack thereof. We know that there's going to be present wood, hay, and stubble. Those things will be present. But we also know and what we hope for and what the Bible promises us is gold, silver, precious stone. And oftentimes I take for granted, I'm probably guilty of, more guilty of it than most, that thinking most of the folks in the church house are saved, and I think most of you are. But the fact that someone in here might not be saved, I'm telling you, there's eternal rewards to be had in the Christian life. Salvation is amazing. Salvation is the greatest thing on planet Earth. Salvation is even greater than a boy. I love you, Anna. But I'm telling you what, what we do in this life, what we work for in this life, you're, you're not going to regret it if you're doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. You're just not going to regret it. I had a very sobering experience the other day last week at work. And you know what it made me think about? It made me think about the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. It made me think about that, 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 that inferno, that fire, that, that fierceness of that event. The, the thing that's going to take place at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. This is, this is one of the first things that came to my mind. And I don't know why. Maybe it was in preparation for this sermon. I, I almost watched, and I'd never seen this before. I almost watched two firemen get roasted. I mean, roasted in a house fire. Um, long story short, I was third man in on a line and these two young men had made a right hand turn right inside the front door to go down into the house for a basement fire that had been cooking for only a couple minutes. I was the third man into this house fire and I'm packing up in the door and I, all of a sudden I noticed conditions start to change very heavily. It's just a condo with one attached next to it. All of a sudden I watched the smoke just aggressively start to bank down on the first floor and we're working with a basement fire. I had what we call a tick on my side. It's a thermal imager. I pulled that up 
just, just in the nick of time to see the floor start to, uh, uh, the way you're looking through this thing, you're seeing opaque flashes and you're seeing different colors and highlights. And it'll, aggress- it'll, it'll change from whites to yellows to reds being the most hot. And what I saw in just a brief moment of time, knowing I've got two comrades down in the basement just off to my right, just about 12 feet in front of that door sill, I start to see conditions change. And I start to see this fire break through the floor and the smoke to start billowing down and coming out the front door. Needless to say, this is a very bad situation to be in for those two fellas in the basement. Steps were just down to the right. Just beyond the closet, down to the right, open, no doorway, thank God. There was no door there. Caused just a bigger issue for them. Just as soon as they got on the radio, calling evacuate, 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 these boys came skating out. And it was the most sobering, hair-raising feeling I think I've ever, I think I've ever encountered. To watch these boys just come out just as silent as can be, holding their breath, petrified. And that hot, dry heat started billowing down and coming out as that whole entire room went up in smoke and all that smoke just flashed and the whole thing just took off rolling. I ended up losing two houses that day. It was terrible. It was terrible. But these boys, they ran back to the truck and I didn't see them for a long time. They were rattled, really rattled. I'm telling you what, Rattles me even more than watching those boys. They could have come up those stairways, and if that hole was five more feet this way, they'd have been bloop right back down into that fire. What rattles me more than thinking about that is the soberness of the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. That hot, dry heat that's going to just tear things up, man. And it's going to purify, and it's going to reveal, it's going to show what you and me what we did with the time we had here on this earth, with the knowledge that we were given. It's going to be sobering. It's going to be eye-opening. And I hate to think that we're wasting our time here. We see examples all throughout our Bible here as Solomon. What we saw start off as a great man. I want to finish a great man. Solomon didn't finish a great man type of the Antichrist at the end of his life, completely shipwrecked. Turn over with me, if you would, to Colossians chapter 2. I know what's out there. I know who our enemy is. You know what I don't want? I don't want the enemy to spoil you, Christian. We are weaker than we think we are. We are much weaker and more frail than we think we are. I don't want men to spoil you. I don't want the enemy to spoil you. You know why? Because you're good stock. You found your way here. God can use you. He wants to use you. Bring you down to the watering hole. Get the help you need. You're in the right place. I promise you that. Colossians chapter 2. Let's pick it up at the end of verse 2. To the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Now here's the key to unlocking your Christian life in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's in the Father. It's in God. It's in Jesus Christ. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I mean, I've never opened up a real treasure chest, but... 
Tell you what, we got a treasure chest in this book. Things full of gold, man. It's full of gold. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, verse 4. Goes on there, Brother Paul talking, but verse 6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Here's the treasure. (laughs) Now beware, Christian, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. You want to find treasure in this life? You need to know your enemy. You need to know your enemy, and that enemy sometimes is the heart that lies within your chest. It's yourself. No doubt it's the world, the flesh, and the devil, but I mean, you need to be looking at yourself each and every day, putting this enemy down. This flesh is not your friend, Christian. Now we see King Solomon as a prime example here. Let me get into these hearts real quick. I'm going to breeze through these things. Three types of hearts. I mentioned the first heart back in 1 Kings chapter 3. The humble heart. The humble heart. Let's pick it up in verse 6. And King Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he has walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and uh, instead of David my father, the humble heart. You know, it's not just his daddy's God. It says, O Lord my God. You see what, you, you see what Solomon knows? That his daddy had a good God and he wanted that good God. It's his God too. Young people, I'm telling you, could you listen to me for just a second? Your parents got a real good God. If they're following the Lord Jesus Christ, they they got a really, really good God. And he can do everything you need. I mean, you kids like to look at treasure chests and things and all this cool stuff. I'm telling you what, they are serving a God who's got all the treasure in the world. And, And there's an endless supply for you. It doesn't run out with your parents. But here's the thing you need to understand. They can help push the treasure your direction. Your direction. But you know what you need to do? You need to take the key. That's Jesus Christ. You need to open that thing up. And if you're not saved in here, you need to get saved. And you need to to believe me when I say that it's going to be worth your time. It's going to be worth your time and your life will not be wasted. You are not going to miss a thing in this world serving your parents' God. He says, oh Lord my God. (laughs) He was a good dad. He had a good dad. Solomon had a good dad. We know his daddy was David. His dad thought a lot about him. Solomon's dad thought an awful lot about his son. Turn back to 1 Kings 2. Page or two. David gave the kingdom to Solomon. Adonijah probably technically was supposed to get that kingdom. That's seen just a chapter back. But God saw something in Solomon that David also saw. And David says this thing's meant for Solomon. Now the days of David, verse 1, 1 Kings 2, verse 1 drew nigh that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. He's telling his boy to show thyself a man. 
Stand up, boy. Show yourself to be a man. And I'm telling you, young folks, you need to stand up and you need to show yourself to be a man or a woman. Following the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you can. So the Bible say, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example to the believers uh, in faith and word, in your conversation, in your purity, in your charity. That's for you, young people. That's what your parents are trying to do. Your parents made that decision. It's for you to make that decision and to follow on. And they're trying to show you how to be a man, how to be a young woman, how to, how to do things to please God. Not the world. Not your social media friends. Not your virtual peeps. None of them. How to please God. How to please God. And David thought an awful lot about his son Solomon. There's going to be a time when you're required, like verse 2 says, show yourself a man. You're going to need to man up. Not only did he think his son was a good man, he thought he was wise. We'll just look at these real briefly. 1 Kings 2, verse 6. He's giving him some orders here. This is David's last charge to Solomon. He's saying, do therefore... uh, He's telling him what to do with Joab, that little snake man. He says, do therefore according to thy wisdom and let not his whore head go down to the grave in peace. He's saying, use your wisdom, boy. Go to verse 9. Now, therefore, talking to Sh- uh, about Sh- Shimei, one of David's enemies. Uh, now, therefore, hold him not guiltless, for thou art a wise man. He's speaking to Solomon. And knowest what thou oughtest to do unto him. I'm telling you, if you're sitting in church here today, you know what you ought to be doing. You do. There's no way you don't know what you ought to be doing when you come to a Bible-believing church. Church, I'm telling you, the humble heart, it knows what it needs to do, and it just does it because it's the right thing to do. And it's not just his daddy's God, it's his daddy's humbleness. Back in 1 Kings chapter 4. 1 Kings chapter, I'm sorry, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7. And I, Solomon saying, am but a little child. I know not how to go out. I know not how to come in. You know where he learned from humility from? I'm going to read these verses for you. He learned it from his, daddy, Sol- uh, from his daddy, David. He says, I'm a little child. You know, I don't take my kids to be humble. <laughs> They're just not there yet. <laughs> Any parents would give me an amen on that. Be good. Yes, sir. But Solomon's like, I'm just a little child, Lord. I'm just, I need to be fed. I need to be taught. I need to be nurtured. I need to be, I need to be shown. I know not how to go out. I know not how to come in. His father was the same way. Second Samuel chapter 7 and verse 12 is the Davidic covenant. God is getting ready to tell David all the things that are going to take place and that he promises will take place. He says, I'm going to establish your kingdom. He's saying, I'm, uh, he, sh- he shall build a house, talking about uh, the one to come after David. He's going to build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And here's where we see David's humility is in verse 18. Then went King David in. And this is an amazing thing God just got done telling David. It's your seed, David, that's going to carry this thing on. And David's just speechless. David sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God. But thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while, uh, for a great while to come. 
And is this the manner of man, O Lord God? And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant. You know what a humble servant knows? You know what a humble child knows? There are such things. I don't call you youth children. But you know what a humble youth knows? That God ought to be able to take your breath away. David is saying, who am I? I mean, have you ever been to that spot where God can just take your breath away and you just let it happen? Man, I'm an unclean man. I'm a man of undone lips. Man, Lord, I am... I don't even deserve to be standing in your presence. I don't deserve to be serving you. I don't deserve any of this. And it's not a false put on humility. It's a, it's a humility that's genuine. It's sincere. And it's a humility that Solomon saw in his daddy. Knowing he wasn't perfect, but he knew that if he wanted to get any sort of blessings out of his daddy's God, he needed to follow in his daddy's footsteps. And that just goes for me to tell you, men... Women, parents, we got people watching us. They're watching you. They're watching everything about you. They want to see some humility put into action because out there, outside of those doors, (laughs) go, 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 man. Get in the rat race. Jump in line. Good luck. Solomon had a humble heart here. 1 Kings chapter 3. He also had a heady heart. A heady heart. 1 Kings chapter 3. The Bible says in verses 1 through 4 that Solomon made some bad decisions. That word heady means rash, hasty, hurried on by will or by passion. That thing is it's ungovernable, it says. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's hasty. It's quick to make decisions. It's a very impulsive. It's... Um, is quite honestly, it's dangerous. And Solomon, verse 1, 1 Kings chapter 3, made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took, his, and took Pharaoh's daughter, brought her into the city of David, and the story goes on. And you know what happens? Solomon goes on to get his, uh, his affections become divided between the land of Egypt and the land that he's supposed to be ruling and reigning over. You see, you see what Solomon is quick to do is he's quick to make excuses. Real quick to make excuses. I mean... I mean, maybe we can have a little bit of our uh, stock in Egypt, but you know, you know where we, we know where we come from. I mean, we're we're still faithful to Israel. We're still we're still faithful to the Jewish people. But the, what does that lead him to do? It, it leads him to make affinity with somebody he shouldn't be making affinity with, lining up with folks he shouldn't be lining up with. You know what a heady heart does? It it. it it gets you in trouble. It'll get you in trouble because what you, what you do so rashly, what you do so abruptly, the decisions that you make in haste, even though they're not sin, everything you do comes at a cost. Everything. Every decision you make comes at a cost. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it matters uh, the decisions you make putting your kids in different schools or home schools. Or, uh, this applies across the board. Everything you do comes at a cost. In a, ha- in a hasty decision, haste makes waste, right? <laughs> sure. Haste makes waste. I learned that from my wife's grandma. I don't know 
why that stuck with me, but it's good. And when you're not thinking and when you're not praying and when you're not giving God your undivided humility, you know what God will do? He'll humiliate you. Can I tell you, I'd be ashamed to tell you how many times I've been humiliated because I have not prepared my heart, tilled up the ground, got on my knees and begged the Lord to help me make wise decisions. Made a mess. Big messes. I mean, not big messes that have like ruined my marriage or, or, or locked me up in jail or, or things like that. But I'm telling you, spiritual messes that I now have to live with. Some done out of zeal. Some done out of good Christian character. But with no prayer, with no regard for repercussions. I'm telling you, the, the heady mind, the, 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 the ungovernable will, your, your, your stubbornness, your, your un, unbreakable spirit. I'm telling you, some people, it gets them killed. Legitimately gets them killed. David's, uh, Solomon's affections are divided. And can I tell you what? Evil communications are going to corrupt good manners. You, be, you do yourself real well to be careful who you hang out with, who you talk to, who you run with. I don't care if it's family or not. You need to be careful. And I can tell you this much. If Jesus Christ, if the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God is not your first true love, I guarantee your heart will grow cold. Solomon's doing good, man. I mean, he's doing good. He's coming out of, he's coming out of, David, he's, he's, he's coming out of David's loins, man. He's raised up. He's the man. God knows it. David knows it. And here he is put in a position. And, and here he comes doing what he thinks he ought to do. Probably making hasty decisions. Saying, oh, let's yoke up with Egypt. They can help us. We can help them. Yoking up with, yoking up with this girl's gods. The groves and the high places here. I'm not going to be able to get them for sake of time. But he was doing things he ought not be doing. What we see here is at the end of this chapter... He actually gets right for just a minute. He's here sacrificing in the high places, sacrificing uh, thousands of burnt offerings upon the altar in the high places. You know, those high places aren't nothing to be messed with. God told them to destroy those things. But you know what? Uh, that, that Man, I've got to move on. <laughs> i got to move on. If Jesus Christ is not your first true love, your relationship with him is going to grow cold. It's going to grow cold. I don't care if you read your Bible and if you do pray, but if he doesn't stay at the forefront of your mind each and every day, this world's too strong for you, Christian. Way too powerful. Way too much pull. And I know why some of you do what you do. Because I do the same thing. It's because God's still blessing you. You got that little bit of leaven in your life. I mean, we all got maybe a, 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 little, a little bit that comes and goes. You know what I'm talking about? That sin. But God still blesses. And sometimes he just overlooks that thing. And sometimes he just winks at that thing. And I'm telling you, especially early on in your Christian life. And I, by early on, I mean maybe for years. God will just be gracious. And it'll be tender. And it'll be patient with you. He'll be patient with you. Because he loves you. And he wants 
you to put him first. And you push those things aside, you push that leaven aside, you push that leaven aside and you keep it in your back pocket for a rainy day. You push it aside because God's still blessing. Still in church. I still actually read my Bible. Maybe throw a track out here and there. I want, I want to ask you, how is your heart? I mean, where is it at this afternoon? What is it that has your attention? What is it that is so much more important than being here? This is a great crowd. I love to see this. But what is it that's so much more important than sitting here and getting fed the knowledge of God? I'll read this verse and we'll move on. You guys know the place, but those high places, they were, they're not to be messed with. And we fast forward over the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. You know the verse, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness, against darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Man, that opened up my eyes. That verse opened up my eyes to see that these high places run all through the Bible. And there's slithery old Lucifer running through that thing all the way from the beginning. Today, that's where he dwells in them high places. That's that leaven you keep in your back pocket. That's that idol you can't set down. It's that thing you spend your time on and you give more attention to it than you do the words of God or church. Let me pick you up a little bit. Let's talk about the healthy heart and we'll get out of here. Verse 9 in 1 Kings chapter 3. The healthy heart. It's got the right request. It's got the right request. Verse 9. Let's see this. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And this speech pleased the Lord. And that Solomon had asked this thing. He's got the right request. You know when you're going into the doctor's office. You've got to be willing to ask some hard questions, you know. Because if you don't, oftentimes there's no one that's going to do that for you. Solomon here's got a healthy heart. Doing good. He's still making progress, right? I mean, we ebb and flow in this Christian life, but Solomon here is looking like, that's a good request, Solomon. I wouldn't have thought about asking for that. He's asking the right questions, Asking the hard questions, saying, Lord, who's able to judge this thy so great a people? And can I tell you that right judgment only comes from God? Right judgment only comes from God. And if you're going to have a good heart, you need to be willing to ask yourself the right questions. And you need to be willing to ask God the right questions. Lord, where's my heart? Psalm 119, verse 66, talking about making the right requests to God. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. For I have believed thy commandments. Teach me good judgment, God. (laughs) Verse 73. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. I mean, I got reading through this chapter, Psalm 119, man, and I'm like, man, Lord, I'm getting off track. I got to get back to my message. This thing is so packed full of wisdom, so packed full of help, so packed full of heart healthy food for you and for me. Why aren't we picking it up? Why aren't we getting our faces in this thing? Why aren't we trying to tell the Lord, hey, God, I'm willing to ask you the hard questions. I'm willing to get down to the nitty gritty. I'm I'm willing to, to, to have you show me where my heart is. 
I think the gold standard in the medical field, they talk about the, the ejection fraction of the heart. That's, the, that's like the gold standard of the performance of the heart. How much more important would it be know, to know the ejection fraction of your spiritual heart, man? Where is it at, church? I hate to think where it's at because I know where it's at because I've been out in that world. I know how quick it can go from man. Uh, I mean, a beautiful heart's beating at like 35% ejection fraction. Somewhere in there. Diseased hearts are way less than that. I hate to think how low you let your heart get when you walk out of these doors. You need to be willing to ask God the hard questions. And and a healthy heart, last but not least, has the right routine. Verse 11 and 12, back in 1 Kings chapter 3. And verse 11, God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor has asked the life of thine enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise, a wise, a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall there arise like any unto thee. Now some of you let that get to your heads and say, I'll be the big man on campus from now into eternity. And maybe that's what happened to Solomon. Maybe said, Lord, I'm, I'm the big cheese, man. <laughs> got it all figured out. I got my Bible doctrine down. I'm in church. Praying. Doing what the pastor says to be doing. But you're doing it all for pride's sake. Is the heart healthy? I want to ask you. Would your daddy David look at that heart? And bust that thing open? And if he could examine you from the inside out, say, Solomon, I I see your face. I see what you're doing. I see how you're living. But boy, inside you got some pretty bad cobwebs. It's pretty ugly in that thing. The only person who can clean that up is you, Christian. You want a healthy heart? A lot of times they say that ejection fraction can't be improved upon once it drops. Mechanical devices and things like that can help improve it. But sometimes that heart deteriorates at such a rapid rate, there's just no help in it. Now, before you get on life support, Christian, why don't you just take the heart that you've got right now, putting behind you all those things that you once knew, that you once cared about, that you once loved, and get a hold of God and say, God, I see this thing spiraling downhill. I see this thing is running out of control. It's getting away from me, man. It's like a, it's like a caffeinated bunny rabbit, man, just thinking, running, 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 and I can't seem to keep up with this world. It's not intended to, Christian. That heart's not intended to keep up with this world. It's intended to keep up with your Savior, your Heavenly Father. You want a healthy heart? You need to get back there like Solomon and say, Lord, I'm but a child. Some of the greatest hearts you'll ever find is in the little children around here. You want a healthy heart? Let's learn from the mistakes of Solomon. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus Christ.